It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bashcast brought to you by BookieBashing.net, betting at 100.1 and above. Uh, this is Bashcast episode number 153, Le Pays que je vous faire. It is 29 minutes past 3 on Thursday, January the 28th, 2020. Coming up tonight on the Bashcast. Um, we have a look at another tournament in the European Tour, the Dubai Desert Classic. Um, discuss the win both halves um, calculation and um, have a look at a week of records in the Eurods after the break. We look forward to the Six Nations and uh, um, look back on the career of basketball giant Kobe Bryant. All of that and more coming up on the Bashcast tonight. Conscious of this turning into the golf cast, but um, we have to touch on the Amiga Dubai Desert Classic last week. Um, Having been told no more bets of any kind. Cat, can you shut up? Why do you have to sit on the only piece of paper that's on the floor in the entire office? Seriously, thank you. Uh, having been told no more bets uh, of any kind, of course, there are always more options for more bets. Um, managed to get on Lucas Herbert, 200 to 1. Um on the Wednesday. So the golf recommendations, they go up on the Tuesday and I just sort of fix them. With them, I have to do a wide scope of bookmakers. It's not fair just to hit one place. In all honesty, with the shops, just hitting Paddy and Fred because that's where they're matching online prices so we can work out what the value is and get some stakes down. And I can always get more stakes down in shops than I can online. So I got on um, Herbert. Having been on Lee Westwood at 90 to 1 in the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship, and he won. And the week before, having been on Cameron Smith in the Sony Open 2020 at 50 to 1, and he won. So I'd taken Fred for um, 12,000 odd minus a few other stakes and other golfers probably about 10 grand um, net profit in in seven days um and then uh, 25 pounds each way on lucas herbert at 200 to 1 who was five shots off the lead at round three but this was a seriously tough course um and lucas and betsy denhoot i don't know how to pronounce his name betsy denhoot um had incredible day fours they were pretty much the only players under par they both went five under par they finished both at nine under with lewis arnaus bermesta kitiyama Wu, and mcintyre just behind and so they went to a playoff they play the 18th hole par five um over the water uh herbert puts it not over but into the water uh betsy denhoot goes onto the middle of the green. Somehow Herbert's penalty shot is just incredible, sublime. And he's within a couple of yards of the hole and manages to par the hole even with a penalty shot going into the water, as does Betsy Denhut. So we go again. Um, we repeat the 18th hole and Herbert wins. And whilst it was delightful to take Fred for yet another six grand... Um, net 15 grand in 14 days. I like averaging more than a thousand pounds a day from Betfred this year. Um, the biggest shame is that it was Lucas Herbert, the Australian Lucas Herbert, that won. 
And I've got nothing. That What can I do with uh, a fun pun with Lucas Herbert? Nothing rhymes with Lucas. Nothing rhymes with Herbert. I, I even cheated and tried to Google and got nothing. Um, at a stretch, we could have gone down the lines of uh, Les Pays Que Je Veux Faire, you know, by Gilles Vignault who uh, famously sang uh, Les Somons, Les Bigonneaux, Les Thorns, Peas, Les Blings, Des Blanches, Des Blues, Des Grosses, Des Digmions, Languille et Le Turbot. Of course, talking about large and medium, eel and turbot, sole and halibut, cod and swordfish. Crab and herring, he goes on. What a song that is by Gilles. But um, I'm not going to, you know, that's, that's the stretch that I would have had to have gone to. I would have had to have rhymed turbot in French, to have got close to her, but it wasn't going to happen. So it's over this week. Mind you, you know, rather Lucas Herbert than Christian Betsy Denhout. There's, there's nothing. I think my daughter is, uh, is painfully and very patiently waiting for what did the Ryan Fox say, um, which, um, oh, well, you know what? Wouldn't be a bad result if uh, he was able to... Top the PGA leaderboard this week. So I wanted to talk about um, win both halves, a team winning both halves. I'm trying to figure out the new edges where no one else is looking. Um, uh, A couple of obvious places are inefficiencies on the exchange. I mean, that's a really good place to look um, for value betting, right? So the problem always with bookmakers is factoring in stakes and restrictions. Um, The fact that you win enough money consistently in the long run, a bookmaker online has all the records of you and slowly to start to make it difficult for you to put money down so you can use shops then you have the logistical difficulty of using shops so um exchanges are really useful because you can just sit in your ass and place the bet on your phone confident if that you know it's good or not and in all honesty value betting on the exchanges you might it's no, there's no different in terms um of ev i guess than trading you know, if, if you're confident that a price is going to come down, you back high, you lay, uh, you wait a little bit and you lay low and you're trading. Well, it, the only thing that's different is that, to me, you're wasting a lot of time doing your trading and you're greening up. Um, what's so special about greening up that is different to riding through variance? Uh, there isn't anything. I mean, you see um, Sykoff post, well, Sykoff posts, like greened up markets with tens of thousands of pounds every time. Did you ever see him post a redded up market? It's too suspicious. It's like you can't get it right every time. You can't get your trades right every time. Sometimes you're going to be betting on over 0.5 goals and it's going to finish nil-nil. You know, how are you greening up there, right? You know, you're not you're not laying um, over 0.5 to green up, you're always doing it the other way around, hoping that there's going to be goals in the game, and then the game finishes three all, and he posts his twenty thousand pound greened up market. Congratulations! Where was the last five markets? It's a little bit hoodwinking, I think. Um, and in all honesty, in my head, there isn't any difference between um, trading, which I've no problem with. There are a lot of trading in the past; it's good fun. Um, but um, trading and value betting, um, except for time. Because with value betting, you can just place it and then you don't care if the market goes up and down. You don't have to monitor anything. You get it wrong, you can reevaluate your strategy another time. So um, using the exchange is great fun. We've got the match odds and the both teams to score, which is just really a fantastic tool. Um, so the layers, the match bettors just hold up these markets so high sometimes. Yesterday was Arsenal versus Bournemouth. And in the morning, first thing in the morning, I mean, there was nothing else on. This is one of the issues. If we looked at the games that were on yesterday, we had Cliftonville versus Colville in the Northern Ireland Premiership. We had Arsenal um, versus Bournemouth in the FA Cup. And then in Europe, we were down to Serie B, um, the German third division. So there really was nothing on. All focus was on the Arsenal-Bournemouth match. And that meant that every bookmaker under the sun 
um, tried to come up with a boost and came up with Arsenal to win and both teams to score. That was the boost because in their mind, it's too difficult to boost just the match odds because others will take advantage of them. But we have the match odds and both teams to score market. And the boost was generally three to one. Occasionally it was seven to two. Paddy Power had it at seven to two. And it goes up in all of the different hedging forums. Um, And all the multi-accounting Paddy Power account holders jump in at Paddy Power, place their maximum £20 bet. And I reckon there's 10,000, could be 20,000 of them placing a £20 bet. So there's £400,000 in liability going through there. And they're laying that off on Betfair and Smarkets generally because... um, um, Smart is a 0% commission for match bettors and for value bettors who place one single £1 lay bet through Odds Monkey every single month just to uh, make sure they get hold of the 0% commission. Thanks very much, Odds Monkey. Um, go join if you haven't. £8 a month, it's value. Um, so there's £400,000 of money that has bias in it coming into the match odds and BTTS market in... Um, in markets, what's that going to do, right? Is it going to make the price uh, worse for backers or is it going to make the price worse for layers having the overwhelming majority of people in that market being layers? It's going to be the layers are going to get a bad price because they're all jumping over each other. Um, and we worked out the price, a fair price, using exchange markets only in the morning of Arsenal to win and both teams to score of 3.68. Uh, as I mute the... Uh, keyboard and um the available lay on markets the back price was 4.2 and the lay was 4.3 so if you've got a trading back you could get 4.3 and just have all of those 20 pound layers come in and they'll happily back at 4.5 and lay at 4.3 and take their 22 pence profit or however however much that risk-free money is and then have their account restricted in 10 days time and have to open a new one that's fine that's their that's their problem they can deal with that i'm not that is of no concern to me my concern is i'll take the 4.3 i'll take the 4.2 i'll take the 4.1 i'll even take the 4 i'll even take the 3.9 i mean all of these prices are good for me in the long run right and um i can put down as much money as um my bankroll will allow for on markets um, and I did. <laughs> and then watched the whole game. It's 2 0 until the 10 minutes of extra time finished 2 1. The result it didn't really matter. The opportunity, the fact that the opportunity exists is the important thing. And so this match odds and BTTS ability is it's really cool. Um, we, it's, it's just such a huge edge. We did a couple of things. One, we're very open about the overwhelming majority of the things that we do in the calculations that we run on bookie bashing we haven't made public exactly the calculation of match odds and btts um we have said that it comes from ex- liquid exchange markets that's uh, and that's true it doesn't come from anywhere else it's, there's no historical analysis there's no um uh, there's no benchmarking of top prices it all comes from liquid exchanges uh, markets on the exchange the exact equation, though, well, here's a, there is actually a really big problem um, making it open. It just has to go to one person, you know, one single um, person who's a little bit nefarious, a little bit, a little bit, that's me putting my hands in the air, doing scary sign, a little bit like that, uh, and he takes it away and he publishes it for free somewhere else. Or he shares it with a syndicate that I've got a lot of money. Have you ever looked at the... Um, the markets, markets, or the Betfair markets for accumulators, um, they are efficient to within an inch of their life within, with tens of thousands of pounds in them because um, it's very easy for um, people to understand what the value is in those accumulators. Um, you, you benchmark them straight off multiplying winner odds from the 1x2 market. It's a really simple equation. And so there's thousands of pounds sitting there waiting to take advantage of the arbitrage players, the hedges, the layers, the match betters. So um, that that um, we were involved with in the early days, taking advantage of it. And then I wrote a blog and maybe the blog um, caused the ripple effect for to ruin um, this edge because there were people with so much money getting in there first looks like bots a lot of the time maybe it would have happened 
even if I hadn't written the blog. All that I know is that making available the exact specifics of this edge uh, probably ended up costing me money in the long run. So what is the benefit of the ma- of making the match odds and BTTS equation public? Well, we instill trust in people because people sometimes don't like betting on things without understanding exactly what it is that they're betting on. And I completely get that. I would want to myself. I would literally want to myself if I was a member of Bookie Bashing and I was being told that Arsenal to win and BTTS was 3.68 and I couldn't see it with my eyes. I would want to be inquisitive enough to work it out for myself to check it. And I would love people to be able to do that. But the trade-off there is that we completely ruin the edge if one person takes it away, makes it available, and the people that have the large money um, come into this market and take advantage of this market, like they have done on the accumulators market on the exchanges. And then they ruin our edge. Making a lot of money off this market on the exchanges. Also making a lot of money on coupons in bookmakers. Um, And generally it's going to be something that's going to be around for a long time. And so we don't want to ruin it. So we made the decision to uh, keep it under wraps. Um, So I just wanted to explain why. I feel bad as well because I want to share it and I want to have it analysed, but then I don't want to ruin it as well. So similarly, with match odds and both teams to score, a very, very common thing that gets boosted and laid off is win both halves. A team to win both halves. That is um, not just uh, winning at halftime and winning uh, in the second half. That's the halftime full-time market. Um, it's You consider both halves to be completely individual games. If you win the first half 2-0 and then the second half is 0-0, the final result is 2-0. You have won the team winning halftime full-time bet, but you have not won the team to win both halves bet. It's a common misconception for um, uh, um, people coming into betting, especially the arbitrage players, to mix up those markets and back one and lay the other. And I am not a mean person in any other point and part of my life, but I don't know why I find it hilarious when someone backs the win both halves and then lays the half-time, full-time or the other way around. I don't know why I find that hilarious. I shouldn't. It's cruel. But it amuses me. It's funny every t- single time I see it. I think it's just to do with the little sympathy for them. For a little sympathy for people that, one, can't be bothered to read up and understand. It's so easy to re- to click on the rules of a bookmaker and then um, search for the particular market that you're looking for and understand it. And there's this laziness that comes with expecting to be able to back things and lay things and everything to be okay. Um, and it's the laziness that I find funny when it goes wrong. So win both halves, both halves are individual entities. It's a really, really illiquid market on the exchanges, but it has, it is something that has got a significant amount of historical data associated with it. Excuse the clicking now, um, but I'm going to bring up this historical data that I was looking at. Um, so the theory that I had was that you, we could just base win both halves. Well, first of all, we tried something that didn't work. Um, I looked at basing it off expectacles, XG. So you have the XG for the first, for the home team and the XG for the second team. It's like, can you take some probability distributions, work out what the odds are of the home team scoring over zero goals, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 work out the probability of the away team scoring those, and then um, put them side by side and use some statistics to figure out the probability of one team beating the other team given the XG. Well, the answer is yes, you can do that. Unfortunately, it's hypersensitive to very small changes in the XG. So the XG has to be super accurate Otherwise, the win both halves starts to have a wide range of um, inaccuracy. And whilst win both halves worked, it worked very well for very short price favourites where there is an obvious gap in the XG between the favourite and the underdog. didn't work that well as the teams got closer in price and the XG got similar. And in fact, the closer the teams got in price, the larger the inaccuracy 
of using these probability distributions from XG were. So it was falling down and there was no obvious solution. So I completely scrapped that idea and said, Let, let's start again and look at all historical matches, the price of the team, um, and whether that team won both halves in the match. We have data for 50,000 matches, just less than, well, 50,000 teams in 25,000 matches, where we know the first half score, the second half score, and we know the price at the exchange of that team. So I queried, if we create 50 different subsets of probability for the team wins, so um, working probability, not decimal or fractional odds, so you got 0 to 0 0.00, 0 to 0 0.02, 0 0.02 to 0 0.04, 0 0.04 to 0 0.06. So you got 50 of those all the way up to the teams who were 0.98 to 1, which is the equivalent of 1 to 50 to 1. I didn't have anyone who was 1 to 50 in the last 25,000 games that I've looked at. Nobody that short. These are league matches. You might have got that in the Cup or the Euros or something like that. San Marino versus Belgium or something, but um, not in the league matches that I had. And, th and always those outliers are going to cause difficulty. And I'm not really focused. I mean, if, if they boost Belgium to win both halves, I think it's just the kind of thing that has to be skipped when they're playing San Marino. Um, but then I did that, and I put them together, and I said, can we get a relationship out of, the, out of that data if we look at, you know, those subsets of probability and historically how many people what percentage of those teams or subsets did win both halves? Uh, and you can always plot that. But the question is, can you plot it and come up with a good enough fit? And the fit in regression analysis statistics is the R squared number. And there is no correct number for right and wrong. But what you know is that if the R squared is 0 0.999999, then it's an extremely good fit. Um, so good, it, it probably isn't a coincidence and there is a relationship there. And if the R squared is 0 0.25, then there is really no fit. Um, and anything in the middle is degrees of better fitness. Um, a good rule of thumb, perhaps, in sports betting is to look for an R squared value above 0.9 for good confidence and 0.95 for very good confidence and 0.99 for extreme confidence. So uh, I plotted this R squared using a um, polynomial regression analysis equation with six factors in it. And I got a mean an R squared of 0.9632. It was good. It wasn't very good. But the question is, is that good enough um, to use for value betting? So we have the equation, which um, I was about to read out, but then remembered that we want to keep this probably a little bit protected for the same reasons that if it works extremely well, we have a very powerful trading he tool here to be able to take advantage of the arbitrage players and the hedges um, anytime this is boosted in the future. So um, I think we'll keep the equation under wraps for the same reason. And then secondly, it's only it's it's only an idea at the moment in time and it has to be fully verified and tested uh, and to check it that it's okay. So I have all the data, the trading data um, from um, October 2018. Um, so I'm in from Betfair Exchange. So what I'm going to start off by doing is I'm going to say, okay, let's assume we've got the win odds of every team, which we do. We can estimate the win both halves price based on that. Now let's say a random bookmaker boosted that fair price by 2.5% or 1% or 5% or something like that. You know, if I've got two and a half thousand games... Would I have made a profit? Would I have made a loss? And then what? Are, the, the thing that's going to take me ages is I then actually have to go and 
sort of figure out what the result of each of those games was, which is going to take forever. But it's part of the back testing. Um, and if we made a profit over two and a half thousand games with a two point five percent edge over the fair odds, well, it doesn't mean that the calculation is correct or the strategy is good. But it allows for an element of proof and, um, and instills some trust that we're certainly going in the right direction. So if we look on the bet tracker just now on Bookie Bashing um, under advanced calcs. In fact, I'm going to do that now. We have a few calcs that are just sort of standard advanced calcs. Team to win and over one goal. You don't need to verify that. Team to score over one goal, both teams to score an over 2.5. All of these are simple addition and subtraction calculations from the exchange that don't really require any verification. Um, we've got team to win and both teams to score, which was in beta for a while. And then we were just completely satisfied that it was right. It, we were just satisfied that it was right. And so it's out of beta. It's a normal calc. We've got two sitting in beta still, team to win to nil, and both teams to score in first half. Both of which we're very confident are giving accurate estimations. Um, but just need a little bit of tightening up and some code to bring in. Really for the extreme games where we don't want to see anything funny happening with a Belgian versus San Marino. And then at the bottom we have team to win both halves. It's not in beta, it's in alpha. That means that we can't exactly rely on the number that is returned. Look, if I had to bet on it or not bet on it, I definitely put my own money down on it just now using the equation and the fit that we've got. But we just haven't run it enough times to see if anything funny is happening, ha uh, happening with some teams. Actually, I ran it on AC Milan today. Uh, instantly, we get a price that suggests that all bookmakers are obs. So you think, oh, hold on, well, something's not right there. How can all bookmakers be obs? Then you see that AC Milan have slowly steamed in since the beginning of the day. They have come in from 1.85 to 1.67 all the way through the day. That's the win odds, right? And then you look at the history of the win both halves market and nobody has cut that since this morning. So these are the same prices since this morning, despite the fact that the win odds have come in significantly. Why have the win odds come in significantly and the win both hard odds haven't changed? I'll tell you why. Because no one's betting on them. Bookmakers don't have to really worry that much about um, being exact and keeping current lines if they're not taking any um, liquidity on those lines. Why do they have to worry that much about it when it's such a small amount of their overall portfolio for that game? So I'm not saying we're right, but if we are right, it means that all bookmakers are obs, and that opens up even more possibility for making money on this market. I'm not saying we're wrong either. I'm not saying anything. What I am saying is that we have a advanced calculation that is sitting in alpha testing uh, that is going to have to require looking at over a little bit of time, at least a month, probably more, um, in order for us to have those matches that are on the extremes that sit as outliers um, so that we can wait for the weird things happening. And in all honesty, we've protected it just now by making any team better than one to five, just one to five. Any team higher than 10 to one, just 10 to one. You never get a team. You never have to worry about what the win both halves of a team who are 10 to one to win are because um, it's such a unlikely thing. Um, but we'll just have it sitting there and we'll run it and then hopefully one day, in a month or two, it'll come into beta when we're confident that we're getting a number out that we can use to benchmark. And then hopefully it'll come out of beta and it will be a standard calculation like the team to win and both teams to score. And we will be able to use it to make significant amounts of money out of the um, guys that are hedging the boosts. And I think we could probably use it to make even more than Team 2 and BTTS because we have at least some other competition in the exchange markets for backing at a high price. There are other people that seem to figure out what they're doing here. Most likely syndicates probably could be smarkets people or inside bookies. If you look on Team to Win Both Halves market, hardly anyone is in there. You know, Bedford will boost Manchester United to 
two to one in the morning and you look on the wind both halves market and there isn't a penny sitting anywhere you've got a pound at 1.01 and a pound at a thousand that's our play that could be our playground <laughs> it's not our playground yet but this is the goal and the objective of what i'm trying to do I'm trying to open up a playground so that when we know that there's a big boost on and then we know that that's really a lot higher than the fair odds we could start to be the people that will put liquidity down in the exchange markets to allow the match betters, the layers and the arbitrage players to hedge away and give us all the value that we could possibly have. had a, a bit of a hard luck story on the lucky 15s over Christmas. So a lucky 15 bet is a tool commonly used by advantage players to compound EV. You take four plus EV selections and you make four singles, six doubles, four trebles and a fourfold out of them. And when you have four things that are plus EV, you're compounding the equity there. You're taking, you know, especially in the fourfold treble. Um, you could just do the fourfold treble, but um, especially in horse racing, it could be an eternity before one of those comes in. So doing the lucky 15, you still get a good payout for three or four winning and sometimes even a decent payout for just two or four winning if um, those are at high odds. Um, so commonly used in horse racing, but can also really just applies to to anything else. The thing about horse racing is you can do them each way. And doing them each way, it's very easy to just sort of compound value and filthy each way races. But over Christmas, you'd think if you went into a betting shop in 2020 uh, and then wrote down four horses and the odds of what you thought those four horses were, handed them over and they won, you would get paid out at those odds. But you could write any odds on that bet slip and the bookmaker doesn't even look at them, which is really frustrating. As somebody found out over Christmas on the forums where they had uh, four horses and they all won. And they were all decent odds and was expecting at those odds for a payout of about £15,000. And then goes to the shops, comes back and has only been paid out £3,000. And all four horses were paid out at shorter odds. And what had happened was, um, um, well, probably a failure on the part of bookie bashing to sort of... Um, communicate how betting on horses in shops work so we may have william hill 10 to 1 red rum on the tracker that doesn't mean that you can go into william hill and write down red rum 10 to 1 and place the bet actually it does mean you can do that what it doesn't mean is that william hill will necessarily pay out at 10 to 1 um they don't even look at the odds that you write down they have an automated system that records the odds for you if you like that little note that you're writing isn't for william hill of the odds it's just for yourself to what you think it might be and it doesn't tell william hill anything um so there are a couple of ways around this um first of all you could check cross check against the screen to make sure that the live prices um on the tracker match the live prices on the screen um, an issue with this, of course, is that there may be a cut between the screen and the counter. Um, and then a second trick is to ask the cashier to take the price and the cashier should write down the price on the bets that for you. And then you can play a little bit of a mental game. You know, if she's written down um, three plus EV or prices that you were expecting and then one's just been cut slightly um that should still generally be fine it should still be a positive ev slip and um it doesn't do your image any good to sort of you know it's been cut from six to five to eleven to ten and then you've got three other massively plus ev horses on there and they go oh well i can't take that then because of that marginal cut on one short priced horse it doesn't matter let it go you know, you do your image a favor and the bets that's probably still plus EV with it. If all four are massively cut, then there's probably a different issue there. But that would be more understandable and your image wouldn't be affected so much. So um, just two tips there um, for taking the price. And then I know um, the, the doubles, not necessarily lucky 15s. There aren't four golf tournaments generally every week, but the doubles are quite popular and common on the golf tournaments. And um, I know somebody in play... Um, had the double last week, um, William Hill, on screen and everywhere was confirming that it was five places each way. Um, 
And then when they went to collect, they were getting three places each way, which meant that they had a series of bets. William Hill were already saying that the terms had changed and you can't have those. That's a completely different kettle of fish. Uh, They can't just change the terms. They can change the price if you haven't confirmed it with them. The terms isn't something that can be confirmed. And um, this guy challenged and actually managed to get paid out in full. They said, oh yeah, we made a mistake. It wasn't three places, it was five. Incidentally, within those doubles, had the winner of both events, I think, for a gargantuan payout. £18,000, something like that. Big payday for this chap. Um, on the golf but back to the horse racing lucky 15s but another lesson um learnt this afternoon <laughs> by um, my guy we um i was a bit busy for an order so i just sort of said um take the top four horses on the paddy power tracker and just place those will you however the top four horses were 200 to 1 200 to 1 8.5 and 18 to 1 so 200 to 1, 200 to 1, 17 to 2, sorry, 15 to 2 and 18 to 1. So if you take those four and multiply them together, you get odds of about 6,500,000 to 1. And put them into a lucky 15, and, um, I don't know if, let's assume they were just 1 to 4 odds, something like that. That's a payout of over £20 million if he's placing £3 lucky each way stakes, which is about standard stake. So couple of issues there. <clears throat> One, well, the traders should reject it, but they didn't. Can you believe? Um, they put all the horses on SP, which means that there's no edge to be had anymore. Any edge is now lost betting at SP, um, which is annoying. Um, and then secondly, because the payout's like 30 million, um, they'll have a maximum payout at Paddy. I don't know what it is. It could be a million, Right. But this comes to 30 million. And I think the reason they've accepted the bet is they're free rolling 97% of this bet. You see, if it, the total winnings comes to 30 million, and this bet slip is paying maximum of 1 million, it doesn't matter if you put a 3p, oh no, sorry, wait, it's a 30th, 10p. It doesn't matter if you put a 10p uh, lucky 15 bet slip down or a uh, three pound one they'll both pay the same which is the one million pound maximum payout so all that's happening well 10p lucky 15 is uh three pounds and a three pound lucky 15 each way is 90 pounds so they're just keeping 87 pounds is what's happening there essentially um there's slightly different because there's enhanced payout potential on the trebles and the doubles but still there's a massive free roll from from Paddy Power. And so I think I've, I've just sort of recommended to my guy just be very conscious of, you know, as, as a rule of thumb, um, if it, if multiply the four odds together, if they come to a hundred pounds, bet a tenner on it. If it comes to a thousand pounds, bet a fiver on it. But it comes to 10,000 to one, bet a pound on it. If it comes to a hundred thousand to one, bet 10p on it. That kind of like escalation and centre table. And, um, but you know, I don't know if I'll be complaining or commiserating if this um, 35 million to one or 6.5 million to one shot comes in this afternoon. Um, started tracking now the um, the your odds, the type bets that we put on, variously known um, around the places, William Hill, your odds, they're known as pick your punt at Betfred, requester bets. At Sky, fans bet boosts at fans bet. Although they're slightly different, I guess those they're not really combo bets. Uh, get a price at Ladbrokes. What odds, Paddy at Paddy? Uh, odds on that at Betfair Sportsbook. No one's the, no one seems to have agreed um, a consensus on what these are called. Um, they're just combo bets, really. Generally, it's like this to happen and that to happen and this to happen. Usually with overs, three or more goals, three or more cards, nine or more corners, that kind of thing. So we've been doing them for the best part of seven or eight months. I was aware. I mean, I, I get on quite a few of them. The reason I get on these, I get on them more than boosts because they are 
less likely to get you restricted in the long term. I've got to say, Betfred do tend to restrict because they have massive errors in a few of them. And then if you pick up one of the massive errors, they'll just restrict you. It's like the old school game of bookmaking and learning off your sharp customers. Because I'm sure not a lot of people find the big errors and the ones that do a shop, you could allow them to bet through and then uh, use their bets to shape your lines. So that's the old way of doing it. That's the pinnacle model. But no, I mean, I, I did have one. You know, this, this is a Betfred account that could get on, has been betting on daily specials and DDHH, both pre-match, in-play, high stakes for a long time. And then I took one of these um, pick-your-punts that was like 8-1 to one to back and 3.2 or something, fair odds. And... <laughs> restricted within like five minutes um just like that and there's no tote sport anymore in the olden days the good olden days get restricted at fred you just open up a tote sport but now tote sport have gone um have left the sports betting market which is a crying shame um it really is so bet fred of all of them seem to be a little bit more uh trigger happy although really that's because they made the biggest mistakes and it was really betting on the rest of the mistakes. The rest of the books, it's a um, difference in opinion between my modelling and their modelling. That's where the angle that we're coming from. And as a result, most of them think that these lines can't be beaten. Most of them don't think that we've got modelling and analytical capabilities that could beat their trading teams. And they're wrong. They're 100% completely wrong. Um, we've been beating them for, well, all of the William Hill in-shop online stuff was done using these models which is it's a, it's a combination of data extracted from um either the exchange the spreads or the bookmakers themselves with varying degrees of confidence depending on where they're coming from um and made money at the william hill great sports offers which are all these combo bets all last year and uh, made money on the online stuff but um tracked the william hill GSOs, Great Sports offers very closely. Haven't been tracking the um, the online stuff, and the reason being because I've been doing the online stuff just on my own, and I'm really bad at records. What I trust always is logic, and if the logic and the strategy work, I don't really worry about results. Have half an eye on them, maybe if they're going obscenely badly. No one really looks if you're going obscenely well. But um, generally, I just hope, I just sort of, tr you get the strategy right, you don't have to worry about the results. It's the, the strategy is the hard work. Um, however, I, I, I sort of came to the realization that just because I trust myself doesn't mean that I can expect anybody else to trust me, which is totally fair enough. Um, especially since a lot of the modeling happens behind the scenes, um, not really hiding anything from anyone. It's just there's a lot of complexity that goes into it and it just doesn't, doesn't seem the need to spell anything out step by step. So um, regardless, I, I was aware I was on a bit of a losing run leading up to the middle of January and... Um, it had been a long time since even just a single winner, just a bog-standard normal losing run where a lot of games were finishing without a lot of action happening in them. And there were some questions over whether um, this was a plus EV strategy just because of the amount of time that had elapsed since people had had a winner or a winner had gone onto the tracker. So on the 18th of January 2020... I started recording all of these bets, um, and I generally record the bookmaker, the bet type, the win, the back odds, and the fair odds. And I have to say, on this, sometimes these bets get cut, and sometimes I accidentally pick up the back odd price. That doesn't mean that I'm recording negative EV bets. It just means that I've lost in the midst of time what the back odds were. But so. Um, um, and then, by the way, if that wins, I'm being unfair on myself because I'm not taking the price that I'd put on the track. I'm taking the cut price, but regardless. So since the 18th of January, we put up um, 95 bets leading up to the 29th of January 2020, which was yesterday, which was last night. Um, now, what I would find interesting, it doesn't really matter how many bets there have been. Um, it matters how many games there have been. You want to determine this on unique number of games because when a game finishes nil nil no corners no cards all all these bets type 
types of bets tend to lose. And when a game finishes um, 10 all, 100 corners and 100 cards, then all of them tend to win and you get these serious huge spikes either way. And so what's kind of more important um, when looking at sample size is looking at the number of unique games. So whilst I've got 98 bets, I've maybe got, oh, I don't know, I haven't actually sat down and worked out how many unique games are there. But I'd want maybe 500 unique games. And if there's an average of two or three or four um, sort of your odds type bets for each game, then that means that we're going to have to be looking at 1,500 or 2,000 bets before any kind of reasonable sample size can be looked at. And even then, it's a very small one. That's just looking at bets over 500 sample. And you could look at a you could definitely look at a plus EV strategy over 500 bets and it not be in profit. In fact, let's bring up the old variance calculator and see what the chances of that would be. So, um, just open that now. So, this would be like 2,000 euro odds bets, maybe if I'm doing four per bet. But let's say the average odds are... 5.0 and let's say the average EV is 106% and then looks at 500 bets and I look at that curve and it looks like about 70% of people strategies are in profit, 30% are in the negative, right? Multiply that up to about um, uh, 10,000 bets and then all of a sudden, you know, that'd be about... 10,000 games, that'd be about 25,000 bets. All of a sudden, like 99.9% .9 of strategies are in profit. So, you know, just because um, there's a thousand plus bets on that tracker isn't definitive proof one way or another. But what I hope it does show is kind of the swings that can be expected, the long losing runs. I mean, right in the middle, we had a straight off the bat, we had a big losing run of like 40 bets. And I can appreciate placing 40 bets and... Um, being um, consistently down over those 40 bets can be annoying, but that's completely acceptable within the realms of um, high-risk sports betting on these thin EV um, requester bets and your odds. And um, sure, betting at 100.1 might seem odd, and the, as we get closer to 100, the um, chance, the uncertainty around whether the, the bet is plus EV or negative EV through... Um, the calculation um, becomes a lot higher. I mean, I can't tell you that every bet is calculated such that 100.01% um, means it's definitely plus EV because there is a range of uncertainty that is greater than 100th of 1% in the calculation. Um, but I, um, I don't worry about it too much. You know, if I, I'm not going to get rich betting at 100.1% and I'm not going to go bankrupt betting at 99.9%, doing both of those things, I'm going to probably end up over time with roughly the same amount of money that I start with. Um, if there is benefit in how my betting profile looks to the bookmaker, then I'm certainly going to take 99.9%. And I frequently take 99, 98, and 97. One, it was one of the reasons I was able to rehabilitate the Skybet account, and now I can get a £1,000 plus liability on um, these your odds bets. And secondly, Sometimes you've got to throw in your own opinion there. The other day when Newcastle were um, playing Everton, uh, they were 7-8-1. to one, And I simply didn't think that they should have been 7-8-1 to one the way that they've been playing. I follow Newcastle probably closer than any other team. And I've been watching Everton and I thought there was market bias at play there. I had a little bit of money on Newcastle on the exchange. That didn't come in. But what that does mean is that when I'm looking at Newcastle requester bets, I'm slightly relaxing any of the 97, 98, 99% I see that contain Newcastle in them and Newcastle players. Um, because um, it's my opinion that Newcastle are underpriced for this match and the opposite applies for Everton. I might not be betting on things containing Everton at 101 and 102% because I seem to think that Everton have been overpriced through some market bias. I say that, not not that we're including, we're doing any analysis at the moment on um, on these your odds that contain scorer, anytime scorer bets, because God damn it, is it difficult to 
reasonably estimate what the price of a um, goal scorer could be at any one time. And that is mirrored by looking at the exchanges. It's why the exchanges are illiquid for any time goal scorer all the way up to team news and even a little bit after team news because um, before team news, the anytime goal scorer is affected by so many different factors over whether they were playing, who else is going to play in the team with them. Um, and there's no real consensus about, even amongst bookmakers themselves, about how to price this market up. And so um, uh, at the moment in time, you know, it's, we sometimes benchmark against odds checker top price but um, to work out early anytime goal scorer markets. But that is still really a, a, a very finger in the uh, method of doing it. We're taking someone's rough approximation and then doing a rough approximation of markup on top of that. So um, in the foreseeable future, won't be doing any of the anytime goal scorers. I've been doing a few shots on target by team, but again, shots on target by player, that is equally as difficult. But I, you know, hope to one day to have, we've got to first nail a fair price for anytime goal scorer. And if we can nail at any given time, a fair price for anytime goal scorer, then we open up the world of, you know, almost two or three times of the number of volumes of these bets that we can look at. Okay, it's enough for the first half, guys. You are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by BookieBashing.net. Pushed away the troubles around me Did not see I fell too deep Keep control of me Try to keep the frequency control of me
Control the Arbat remix by Sono. 2020. In the bookie bashing news, we have the return of the Six Nations, so the Rugby World Cup finished in um, autumn of last year and we've kind of had a little bit of a lull and now we have the Six Nations coming up. Um, so betting wise, um, World Cup runners up England, clear favourites for the Six Nations this year, which is never the most straightforward of tournaments because uh, we've had three winners in three years. We had England in 2017. Ireland in 2018, which saw their price shorten a lot for the World Cup. Um, and Wales won the Grand Slam last year. Um, but because of the World Cup performances, well, a couple of things in Six Nations really affects how we price up a team. You have recent performances. Um, you have strength and depth in the squad, both of which uh, you can't argue that England, being runners-up in the World Cup, uh, beating the All Blacks, um, they also have um, a really young squad, the youngest squad ever to reach a World Cup final. They've got a lot of strength and depth, um, so that's why they are odds-on favourites. But also, you have each team has five games in the Six Nations, and so um, a lot of the market is determined by how those fixtures fall. Do you have? Um, two games at home or do you have three games at home and when you're playing at home who are you playing and when are you playing away who are you playing um of course there's an edge to not having to travel and there's also an edge to having to per perhaps travel to easy places um at critical points of the tournament so whilst england have um only two games at twickenham this year they are at home to ireland and they are at home to Wales. You could argue that the tricky ties they've got at home, and it should be slightly easier to travel away to Paris, travel away to Edinburgh. And then in the last game of the Six Nations, they travel to Rome. And Italy have never, and perhaps will never, pose a serious threat to the competition. Um, they're available outright at a 1,000 to 1 um, just now. Um, so uh, I think England's odds have been constructed basically based on a combination of those factors um, Ireland are second favourites at 5.7 on the exchange Wales and France you can't split at 7 and 7.2 and then the two big outsiders are Scotland at 42 on the exchange and Italy at 500 um a thousand delay um so gregor townsend has included six uncapped players trying to change things up um but there's no one that really stands out in the scottish squad um and there's also three away matches including dublin and cardiff so there's not a lot going on for the scots and then italy who were respectable in the rugby world cup um, behind New Zealand and South Africa in their group um, uh, but they will be looking at 22 consecutive defeats in the Six Nations coming up to 23 so not a lot to be had um, there um, so I've got nothing in the outright market um, looking at the top try scorer of the tournament um, Jordan Lamore um, was up for um question about whether he was going to start the um against Scotland on the weekend, which really would have affected his ability to rack up points when he's sitting on on the bench. Um, but he it's always good. I think he was past fit against the Scots, and then a lot of the bookmakers didn't change their lines for hours. 
And whilst Jordan Lamore is now available at around about 16 to 1 and 20 to 1 in most places, it was 40 to 1 that afternoon at Skybet, where I happen to have the majority of my balance um, in a bookmaker these days anyway. So that was a very easy bet. I also like the look of Wales's George North, especially at the seven place bookmakers. Um, Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy have them at 25 to 1, and Boyles have them at 22 to 1. We had. Um, um, Christian Colby for um, top try scorer in the Rugby World Cup and um, I know somebody bet on him at Boyle Sports set because they were seven places like they are in the Six Nations and he ended up being um, dead heap placed with a number of other places um, in the top seven and Boyle's paid out in full so the fact that George North is second top price 22 to 1 at a bookmaker playing seven places who has a history of paying out in full when um, uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to this time, they shouldn't. They should know how dead heat rules work. But um, it's definitely worth the stab. I'd be taking it even if um, they were paying out the dead heat. And the fact that they could be paying out and pull in full for, um, for him for any number of places just enhances that as well. So, um, yeah, definitely having a go at John Lamore and George North for the Rugby World Cup Six Nations. Uh, Kobe Bryant, the six foot six Los Angeles Lakers um, shooting guard, uh, died in a helicopter crash on was it Monday night? Um, on January the twenty sixth, the helicopter departed from John Wayne Airport in Orange County in California, where I used to live when I was very young, with nine people aboard. And uh, Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter tragically died in that air crash. It's crazy. Like, people take these um, helicopters for short commutes instead of planes because you can't really take a plane, a private jet, across a city. And I, I imagine the traffic in Los Angeles is just carnage. So a helicopter's got to be better. But with, the, you know, your man, the Leicester city owner, and then Kobe Bryant. I've never stepped in a helicopter in my entire life. I don't think I would want to. Um, uh, the fact that they can just fall from the sky in balls of flames into the hillside or the car park at Leicester is is, is not the most appealing of prospects. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers um, they were meant to be playing the City Angels. That game has been postponed in the NBA. Um, and so the next game is slated at home on Friday tomorrow against the Portland Trails Blazers. And because of that delay, that means that they, the Lakers have gone Saturday through to Friday without playing a game. That's six days in between games, which is an uncommon amount of rest in the NBA, where there are 420 games in every calendar year for each team. Um, so there's been speculation that the line on Friday may be artificially higher in favour um, of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, so I had a look around, um, then it's, you know, Thursday afternoon just now. I had a look around Betfair, Bet365, Pinnacle, William Hill. Couldn't see any lines um, for the Lakers against Portland, but they would usually be a decent-sized favourite uh, in that game. Um, the... The Lakers have already beaten the Trailblazers twice already this season by an average of 15.5 points um, each time. Um, um, sportsbooks usually don't post NBA lines until 24 hours before the contest anyway, so we probably still would have about 12 hours to go. Um, but it should be definitely interesting to see how the Portland spread will come out. The Lakers will be favoured definitely more than they should be because of the weight of public opinion on them. Um, and so perhaps there is going to be a gambling edge there to sort of bet against Portland um, on the short odds that the Lakers are going to be, or at least take their spread and um, bet against that on even money. Because, well, you know, especially when basketball teams are short prices, um, people aren't generally aren't, especially mug betting public, aren't taking those prices. But the line gets set at, you know, the Lakers plus 
14.5 or whatever it would be and people will be betting that and the weight of public money will be on the Los Angeles Lakers and therefore um, then it's possible that there's going to be something there to take, um, to take Portland plus whatever they are Portland plus 14.5 Portland plus 12.5 wherever the spread is lying and hopefully find some sort of edge from you know an, an ineffective spread line due to the weight of emotional money this weekend coming up uh, this weekend we do as mentioned have the Six Nations Wales play Italy Scotland travel to Ireland um, Ireland 1.16 in that match it's going to be extremely tough for the Scots to get anything out of that uh, England travel to France on Sunday which you know the very first game of the tournament could be extremely important one um, in the Premiership Leicester Chelsea is the Saturday lunchtime game in the evening Manchester United Wolves um, the game of the weekend will be at 3pm on Saturday when Newcastle face Norwich I wonder what Newcastle's odds are for that Newcastle are um, 11 to 8 favourites uh, maybe no, I probably wouldn't want to back that or lay that on Sunday Burnley play Arsenal um, and Spurs play Manchester City. I have a feeling the Champions League can't be that far away. It's been away. It's, it's been quiet for like m- months now, hasn't it? When's the Champions League coming back? Um, or oh, football? Is it next week? Champions League. Um, oh no, it's not two more weeks. It's just after Valentine's Day. So Atletico Madrid are playing Liverpool. So that isn't coming up this weekend. Um, but we do have the Six Nations. We do have the Premiership. Whatever it is that you're betting on, do make sure it's value. This is Tom signing out.